The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Hello and welcome to the Local Government News Roundup. I'm Chris Eddy, coming to you from the land of the Wadawurrung people. On the podcast today, Moira Shire's CEO resigns, a former CEO departs Greater Geelong and Hindmarsh makes a CEO appointment. A councillor ordered to apologise for social media posts found to be in breach of the councillor code of conduct. Most Victorian councillors think corruption is a problem in the state, according to a new survey. Byron's 60-day short-term rental cap unlikely to come in before mid-next year. An $8.5 million cost blowout for a council IT project. A regional renaissance hailed as new figures show a massive increase in millennials moving to the country. The UK's largest local authority declares effective bankruptcy and a New Zealand CEO's resignation closes an infamous chapter at Gore District Council. Just some of the many local government stories getting our attention today. Let's round them up now. It's good to have you here for our midweek update, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, and by SnapSend Solve, in the business of keeping shared spaces safe, clean and great to be in. In Victoria, firstly, and the CEO of Moira Shire Council, Claire Keenan, has resigned her position with immediate effect. Her departure was reported by the Shepparton News and the Border Mail on Monday, with confirmation from the Council's Chair of Administrators, John Tanner. Ms Keenan had been on leave since March, when a Commission of Inquiry report was released, resulting in the dismissal of all councillors and the appointment of administrators until 2028. The report was highly critical of Ms Keenan's performance in the CEO role. Former Mayor Libro Mustica told the Border Mail that he had advised Ms Keenan to resign for her own mental well-being, and he said he stood by her initial appointment as the best of the applicants at the time. Interim Chief Executive Josh Lewis is expected to remain in the role until a permanent appointment is made. The former acting CEO of Greater Geelong City Council, Karina Feiland, has departed the organisation this week, just days after the council confirmed she would be returning to her substantive role as an executive director. Her departure follows an online post that laid bare some of the challenges from her time as acting CEO, which some have described as inflammatory. New CEO Ali Wasty has commended Ms Feiland for initiating change that made the organisation more strategic, while Mayor Trent Sullivan said Ms Feiland had experienced extraordinary challenges during her time in the role. 
Jesse Holmes is rejoining the ranks of Victorian Council CEOs, having been appointed by Hindmarsh Shire Council. The former Yarriambiac CEO and State Government Executive has served as Director of Infrastructure Services at Hindmarsh for the past 12 months. Ms Holmes will take over from Greg Wood in October. Mr Wood, who has held the position since 2016, advised the Council that he would not be seeking reappointment in April of this year. A councillor at La Trobe City Council has been ordered to apologise for social media posts that were found to be a breach of the Councillor Code of Conduct. Councillor Melissa Ferguson shared articles and posts critical of transgender rights activists that have been deemed hurtful to the transgender community, according to a report from ABC News this week. Councillor Ferguson argued that she had a right to freedom of speech and the tweets were sent in her personal capacity, not as a councillor. The arbiter disagreed and directed her to make a verbal apology, which occurred at a council meeting on Monday night. She's also required to make a written apology from her ex-account within one week and has been directed to attend diversity training. Fellow Councillor Tracy Lund, who raised the complaint, has told the ABC that Councillor Ferguson's apology was disappointing and that she was seeking advice on whether it met the requirements of the arbitration outcome. The City of Melbourne's Deputy Lord Mayor, Nicholas Rees, says some serious myth-busting needs to occur in the housing affordability debate. Councillor Rees has published an opinion piece this week in which he describes the notion that councils are the problem as a, quote, simple lie. Councillor Rees quotes a recent SGS economics and planning study that found that more than enough multi-unit dwellings have been approved for development statewide to meet housing demand, but developers aren't commencing construction due to high costs, skills shortages and competition from major infrastructure projects. Deputy Lord Mayor Rees says if the state government were to strip councils of planning powers in order to tackle housing affordability, it would likely make the problem worse. Knox City Council says it has secured a commitment from the Planning Minister for a partnership approach to the development of the former Baronia Heights school site. Mayor Marcia Timmers-Leach said a council delegation had met with the Minister to raise concerns about the State Government's approval of a development plan for the site, including a lack of engagement to date. Councillor Timmers-Leach said the council was grateful for the opportunity to elevate the concerns of the council and the Knox community with the minister. She said she hoped it was the start of a constructive and productive partnership in relation to the future development of the site. Here are the Victorian briefs. Bass Coast Shire Council will run mental health first aid training aimed at members of the agricultural community. The move is in response to alarming statistics that reveal nearly one third of Australian farmers have reported a decline in mental health in recent years. The course is part of a broader council program focused on building resilience and well-being of the farming community across Bass Coast. Warrnambool City Council's Unretiring the Bull program is back after a successful pilot program. It helps to match retirees looking for casual work with businesses experiencing staff shortages. The Australian First Initiative already has more than 80 retirees lined up to work over the coming busy summer holiday season. And purple-lidded bins for glass are now being rolled out in the city of Frankston in readiness for the commencement of curbside collections next month. Minister for Environment Ingrid Stitt announced that Frankston will be the 16th early mover council for the curbside glass service, with more councils expected to join soon. The glass bin will work alongside the new container deposit scheme, which starts on the 1st of November.
The results of an IBAC survey of the perceptions of corruption by Victorian councillors have been released. The survey of 131 participating councillors revealed that almost three-quarters think corruption is a problem in Victoria, with 59% believing it's a problem among elected officials. The most likely behaviours considered to be high-risk include bullying and harassment, favouritism and nepotism, collusion and misuse of government resources. Half of the participants say it is difficult to find definitive guidance on corruption, with council governance teams most commonly relied on for advice. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. This is your midweek update from the Local Government News Roundup, recorded on the 6th of September 2023. Starting the National Roundup now in New South Wales, a proposed 60-day cap on short-term rentals in Byronshire is unlikely to come into effect until mid-2024, assuming it gets state government approval. However, the proposed cap, which is designed to ease pressure on the housing market, would only apply in Byron and not other local government areas. The Guardian reports that the government is yet to respond to independent advice recommending the 60-day cap as an incentive for owners to put their properties into the longer-term rental market. The government is waiting on a further review of the short-term rental market before considering any changes that might apply to other council areas. Party politics is rearing its head in Hawkesbury, with reports that Labor councillors have been told to withdraw their support from Liberal Mayor Sarah McMahon ahead of next week's mayoral election. And Liberal councillor Nathan Zambronio has been suspended from the party for three years in a move supported by the mayor. Mayor McMahon was elected to the mayoralty last August when former Mayor Patrick Connolly stood down. The Hawkesbury Post reports that ALP members have been unhappy that Labor councillors Amanda Cotlash and Barry Calvert, who is Deputy Mayor, supported the Liberal councillor for Mayor last time. Councillor Zambronio says he's troubled by the evidence put forward by the Mayor to justify his expulsion from the Liberal Party and suggests it's related to his consideration of contesting pre-selection for the federal seat of Macquarie. He now lists himself as an independent candidate on his website. The council will elect its mayor next week for the remaining 12 months of the council term. In Queensland, the local government minister Stephen Miles has briefed the cabinet on legal advice about the Gold Coast councillor charged with the murder of his stepfather. The Brisbane Times reports that the Minister will ask Councillor Ryan Baldon lumsden to respond to a show cause notice by the end of this week, explaining why he should not be suspended from his role on full pay. The suspension would be in place until local government elections next March and would be revisited if he chooses to recontest for a councillor position. Mayor Tom Tate said at a press conference this week that he would discuss with the CEO operational arrangements that would apply in light of a suspension and that he was yet to speak with Councillor Baldwin Lumsden. Questions are being asked about an IT project cost blowout at Cairns Regional Council. The Cairns Post has reported this week on an estimated overrun of $8.5 million and a four-year delay in delivering 11 modules of Technology One's One Council platform. It says the council has spent nearly $13 million so far on five modules, with a further $12 million estimated to be required to complete the project by the 2025-26 financial year. 
CEO Micah Martin said the council was confident the product remained the best value option and Mayor Bob Manning has acknowledged unforeseen challenges with the rollout. In Western Australia, a start-up company is solving the problem of empty dog bag dispensers in public spaces across the country, starting with WA. Little Rippers, an Australian company with patented smart sensing technology, has signed a three-year deal with the city of Swan and has trials underway with a number of regional WA councils. Smart Company has the story on how Little Rippers was created to solve the problem of empty dog bag dispensers, causing frustration for residents and councils across the country. The company is focusing on Western Australia for now and has plans to eventually roll out across Australia and beyond. In Tasmania, a councillor at Launceston has described as extremely disappointing a decision that found him in breach of the local government Code of Conduct. The Mercury has reported on the finding of the Code of Conduct panel that Councillor Joe Pintarich was in breach of decision-making requirements when he participated in a vote on a planning matter. The panel found that he should have removed himself from the room at the time due to his status as sole director and shareholder of a company that has been involved in long-running breach of contract litigation with a company connected to a planning applicant. It found that his failure to remove himself was a breach of the code of conduct. And in the Northern Territory, a by-election to fill a vacancy on Darwin City Council has attracted a poor turnout, with less than half of enrolled voters participating. Twelve candidates have contested the by-election to replace former councillor Paul Arnold, who resigned in May for reasons of mental health. The ABC reports that the winner will be determined by preferences, with Greens candidate Suki Doris-Walker ahead on the initial count. The result is expected to be declared on the 18th of September. Lots to tell you in the National Brief segment today. Snowy Monaro Regional Council is expected to appoint its next CEO this week. The decision will be made at a confidential session on Friday morning following a recruitment process run by MacArthur. In April this year, the council decided not to renew the contract of current CEO Peter Bascom. Councillor Dallas Tout has been re-elected Mayor of Wagga Wagga City Council uncontested. Councillor Amelia Parkins is the new Deputy Mayor, having also been elected to the position unopposed. Councillors Tout and Parkins will serve a one-year term in their respective roles until council elections in September next year. At Orange City Council, Deputy Mayor Gerald Power has been re-elected from a field of four candidates. There was a margin of one vote in the final round against Councillor Jeff Whitton. Councillor Power is currently acting mayor, while Mayor Jason Hamling remains on leave for health reasons. And Queensland's Murway Shire Council has appointed Bruce Scott as its interim CEO after the departure of Sabine Taylor, who was dismissed before the end of her probationary period. Mr Scott has an Order of Australia medal and brings extensive managerial expertise to the council while it recruits for its next permanent CEO. Leading roles is managing the recruitment with applications invited by the 25th of September. Just ahead of the international spotlight, the Regional Australia Institute says new research confirms a regional renaissance, describing a surge of millennials from capital cities into country communities. The RAI's Big Movers report found an additional 54,000 millennials relocated to the regions during the latest census period. And more than 600,000 people left metropolitan areas for a new life in the country between 2016 and 2021, an increase of 120,000 over the previous census period. 
RAI CEO Liz Ritchie described the significant increase in the number of millennials and overseas-born residents in regional areas as a dynamic change in the nation's demographic landscape. More than 150 regional LGAs had a positive net migration rate of millennials, with significant increases highlighted in Dungog, New South Wales, Loddon, Victoria, Blackall, Tambo, Queensland, Tumby Bay, South Australia and Chapman Valley in Western Australia. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. Starting today with big news out of the UK, where Birmingham City Council has effectively declared itself bankrupt, issuing a Section 114 notice this week, indicating that it cannot balance its books this year. Birmingham is the largest local authority in the UK, and it says government help will be needed to restore its financial health. It will deliver only the services that it must legally provide and cease spending on all other services. The council's leader and deputy leader made the announcement in a statement on Tuesday this week after last month predicting budget shortfalls of £87 million this year and £164.8 million in 2024-25. Equal pay liability claims of £760 million and complications with an IT system implementation said to be around £100 million have been cited as some of the reasons for the council's financial predicament. The council opposition leader said the blame lies not with officers, but with the Labor leadership and a lack of urgency in addressing equal pay claims. With the issuing of the Section 114 notice, the council will now prioritise the provision of core services. For more on this developing story, there are links in the show notes to reporting from The Guardian, BBC News and the local government chronicle. In the USA, an ambitious plan in Seattle to put a lid on an interstate freeway is gaining support. The project would create the opportunity for 11 acres of public park and affordable housing. Seattle City Council is due to vote on the proposal today, and as Axios.com reports, it's expected to declare its support and seek to work with state and federal officials to advance the proposal. Proponents say the lid would reduce pollution and road noise in racially diverse and mixed-income neighbourhoods, as well as allow for restaurants and stores. If it proceeds, Seattle would join other cities in the US like Phoenix, St Louis and Dallas to build over the top of freeways. In Los Angeles, tensions are reported to be rising between the LA City Council and local tour companies after the council decided to explore a ban on tour buses around the famous Hollywood sign. It's the latest development to create tension between residents, the council and tour companies following the Mayor Karen Bass's decision to strike down a plan to light the sign at night. Residents in the Hollywoodland area have been opposed to the influx of tour buses in the vicinity of the sign due to narrow streets and tight curves creating a range of traffic hazards. The California Globe reports that the LA Department of Transportation has 120 days to report back on how a ban could work before the council makes its final decision. And the CEO of New Zealand's Gore Council has resigned, closing a tumultuous chapter at the council that saw an intermediary appointed between the council's mayor and the CEO. Stephen Parry will finish in late October after 22 years at the council. Radio New Zealand has reported that the appointed intermediary, Councillor Richard McPhail, made a statement announcing Mr Parry's departure and paying tribute to his contribution to Gore over more than two decades.
Mr Parry says he plans to take some time to reflect and set priorities for next year while spending more time with family. Mayor Ben Bell said an interim CEO would be appointed in due course and the recruitment process for a new chief executive would begin immediately. The news has been covered by various news outlets and in different ways. Newsroom.co.nz says the resignation closes the chapter on an horrific situation, quoting a former CFO said to be jumping for joy at the news. And the Otago Daily Times spoke to former Mayor Tracy Hicks, who said the resignation was understandable given the nonsense that has gone on recently. All of those links are there for you, of course, in our transcript, which you'll find at lgnewsroundup.com. That's the latest from The Roundup, recorded today, the 6th of September 2023, and brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, with support from Snap, Send, Solve. While you're at lgnewsroundup.com, check out the latest breaking news updates and learn how you can support The Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll have more of the latest local government news for you on the weekend. Until then, thanks for listening and bye for now.